Well, hello, all of our listeners, and welcome to the Companion to the Companion. This is episode 11, and we are at 826.93 at the gorgeous Arlene Schnitzer Concert Hall in Portland, Oregon, lovingly known as The Schnitz. Welcome, Ian. Indeed. Thank you for uh, for being here with me to discuss this wonderful show. And since it is yeah. episode 11, I just want to go ahead and just give a shout out to The Eleven, one of my favorite Grateful yeah. Dead songs. Go and listen to it. Why not? With us. Yeah. A, a rock and roll bluegrass band learning how to play in strange time signatures. Yeah, it's good. It's um, very good. You just but yeah, uh, the Schnitz, just starting with the name, love the name. Um, yeah, and I, I went and I like to look up visual images of a theater from the inside and outside or of a venue just to kind of get a vibe for the whole thing. Yeah. And my God, this place looks gorgeous. Yeah, I've beautiful. I've never seen a show there. Right. I mean, we've been to Portland together. It's a cool town, but I've never seen a show in a place like this. My God. Yeah. I was. It's <laughs> gold and ornate and supposedly the acoustics are wonderful. And um, I think that plays into what we probably both agree is a great show. Yeah. Yeah, I I think for me, uh, it sounds like I might be a little a little bit more of a fan of the show than you, but um, I would put it up there with everything we've listened to so far. I think yeah. just for me, um, you know, when I when I look at a show like this, the first thing that comes to mind is attack. There's just something about the way they're approaching all of these songs that they're not even approaching them; they're just attacking these songs, and they're like, yeah, just. I'm just going crazy with them just like for from the get-go um a 93 a 10 minute runaway gym to open the show yeah, it's something to prove uh, yeah. right out of the gates and then <laughs> yeah. you know a lot of people talk about this show as set one potentially eclipsing set two yeah. and uh i'm i'm close but i think that that's yeah. correct i yeah. this set just i mean there are one two three basically right out of the rip um, headphones in the companion yeah. and uh, they're all deserving and for me you know I think there were a number of highlights but I think four songs really highlighted the show for me and three of them are right here off the rip right and uh, all the interluded songs the smaller songs everything has little jams um, it's playful it's fun it's uh, you know I, fish of now versus fish of then is very different but I really am enjoying all the 93s yes oh, yeah. and i think that it's that mathematical precision to the craft of the songs and the improvisation is very you know it's high energy it's detailed but also it's that real we're going to turn on a dime at a random spot and really be together yeah and i think this 93 was the year it gelled right and this show you know we're ending august 93 with this show sadly um but it is uh this is a real great exclamation point on the end of this run. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, there were so many moments in the show where <clears throat> it was just great and they were playing and they were just about to go on to the next thing. And then they just kind of like as a band, just kind of like stop and like slow back and just like play a whole nother section yeah. um, that was kind of, you know, kind of detached from what they were originally playing and unique and just just so playful and so many little things to appreciate in every song. And yeah, such a springboard to the future. Yeah, I, I, it's great. And I would and I would agree if I had to choose a set, I would choose the first set over the second. But there are certainly many moments in the second set that blew me away, too, which kind of that's what's so great about the show. You're kind of like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't think. Yeah, I couldn't say whether this would be a type of show where you would see the first set and be like, wow, it was amazing. And then that sets you up for something even greater. And then it would be a little bit of a letdown. I'm not sure how people felt about the show in the moment, but I can't, I can't imagine that. Uh, but there was so much music prior. I think it kind of has that fourth quarter like slump right. that some shows can have. But the music prior, I mean, you're just smiles. You're like, give me anything band. Right. Do anything and I'm completely happy with this yeah. kind of show, I would assume. So um, And that the Runaway Gym is, it brings me to another show that I was at that I felt that way where... The, you know, we'll talk about 113096 Sacramento forever, mm. but that runaway gym opener blew my mind. And this one also. Right. Like perfect opener. Just you really felt, I don't know. We've had some shows here that kind of ah eh for me mm -hmm. and listening just through this runaway gym. I was like, okay, yeah. I'm on board for this. <laughs> yeah. It was 
really, really perfect. Yeah. Just great opening of how to lay the carpet for success in your show. I am always stunned with, I mean, Runaway Jim is a very simple song, but I'm always stunned at how much, how much they're able to play with that. Like when it just the first little breakdown that, yeah. Dun, 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 and then Absolutely. just and then they just like play and just to this day even like uh they just played a runaway gym recently and i was like it was so cool just that little section i'm like how are you managing yeah, with it to still play with this after so many versions and <laughs> and and toying with that little section here was just so sick um yeah Yeah, so great, great opening, and yeah, just like Sacramento, uh, eleven thirty ninety six is about the attack, and I and I felt the same way uh, at Dick's at the Fuck Your Face show, where by the end of the first tube, you know, I had seen many first tubes, but by the time they finished that song, I was like, well, that was something special. Like, what <laughs> what's gotten into them tonight? There's something yeah. happening. Um, and then halfway yeah. through the set, I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> That's so, so yeah, sometimes they're just in that mood and you never really know uh, when it's going to happen. But clearly it happened this night, I'd say. So, yeah, and this was off the bat the example of what you were saying where I, I guess that I, I like using type one and type two as referential points for discussing where a jam is going, how it's moving away from where it is into some a new realm. And this... As a runaway gym set opener in 1993, it goes type two. Yeah. Like it falls on this gorgeous static harmony at like six minutes in and then it gets out there Mm. and they really start to explore some ground. And, you know, I feel like the theater and the crowd and the the mood in the room probably spoke to them and it it really sticks out right away. Right. It's it's impressive. Totally. It's a little rough coming out of the jam. Again, I'm going to have critiques here and there. Um, you know, it's a little rough to the ending. I agree. But the peak at the ending just dusts that roughness away. Right. Like, one thing about Fish that I'll say over and over is they're the kind of band that they never give up. Mm -hmm. There's no giving up. There's no surrender. I've seen them build to a peak and build to a peak and push it and it's a 20-minute jam and they kind of fall on the build (laughs) and they just bring it back around and build again because they never fail. They know that they're there to deliver and they deliver. And um, that was one of those moments where they kind of stumbled a little and then over-delivered. It was was. It was gorgeous. Yeah, that was that's very well put because they because it does get a little weird there towards the end. Uh, but then I guess my first thought was like, this is the first song. First song. <laughs> like the fact that they're getting weird in the first song, great. Uh, yeah, you yeah. could go home like six songs yeah. into the show and have a great show. Yeah, like, that was wonderful. I'm fine. You're you're right. Yeah. So we got Gula next. Um, yeah. Great. Beautifully played. I yeah. really. You know, we listen to so much of this done well in this yeah. era of fish. It is a compositional masterpiece. It is. One. It really yeah. is. Oh, yeah. Like every time I hear it, I'm never sick of this song. And I get sick of some songs. And I I mean, there's such there's so many different takes of this band's style. Mm-hmm. But as a really compositionally more orchestral piece, um, it it never ceases to amaze.
this one was great. Yeah. And then the Neil Young joke at the end. Nice. <laughs> they're having fun. Like yeah. you think it's a serious theater and they're being really, you know, clinical with precision through up till that point. And then a little laugh. It made me feel really good. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. The, the I always thought it was so humorous that the, you know, the middle section, which is titled the ass festival in Gula, uh, it's like one of fish's most impressive, like classical. I don't know if that, if that's a fugue, like Trey, Trey likes to say, yep. I don't know, but yep. yeah, I mean, it's just so incredible. Um, and not just in the way it sounds, but it's like one of those pieces where not only is it aesthetically pleasing, but it's also kind of lights up your brain. Cause you're like, how are they playing this? Um, and it does both yeah. of those things simultaneously. And I, I think that's like unique and so fishy. And when I think of like, uh, you know, the, the adjective fishy gets used a lot. And then I kind of think, well, what, what is fishy? If I had to like play something that would be fishy, the things that I tend to think of are the jam and foam, the ass festival, the middle section to Gula, um, certainly like a simple jam, um, you know, like those sort of like the quiet interplay, not the big bombastic blues rock, but the sort of mix between this, the psychedelic interplay and the classical mixed together is kind of, I don't know what I tend to think. Well, that was word salad. My apologies. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's hard to <laughs> really smush it into yeah. one thing, yeah. but I think, you know, if you and I, you and I both love this band for similar and different reasons, but uh, it's, I think that it's a band that came up playing 70s bar rock. Mm -hmm. I sometimes say Fish is the best bar band you've ever seen because they have that bar rock swagger when they want it. Mm -hmm. um, then they mix in a lot of Pink Floyd psychedelia as well as compositional King Crimson and Genesis. Right. But, you know, and it, I listened, and I'm sure you did, to the Alive Again podcast. Um, and hearing Trey really delve into all of his classical composition, his theory, his how he really learned composition from that back end. And I think both you and I, probably you more than me, have a compositional classical background mm -hmm. in some of the music that we love. I probably came from slightly of a more jazz perspective yeah. in composition than you. But it, I think it's what draws people like us to this band is that it's not just bar rock. Right. It's not just 70s rock. And I think this song really you typify as that thing that we love about them. Right. And um, when they play it clean and execute it like this, and I think, you know, moving to the next song into Reba, it's silly lyrics at the beginning. They're, they're both rhythmic, but also melodically kind of strange and fun. Mm -hmm. But then it falls into another composed gorgeous piece of music right. that it, it has no genre. Mm -hmm. It's not rock. It's not progressive. It's not jazz. It's not classical. It's all of them combined into fish. Right. And they're really honing that by this point in their career. They're right. saying, this is us. This is the music we make. We think it kicks ass. Right. And we're going to present it, you know, cleanly and energetically for all of you. Right. Um, and I, I just, uh, to witness it is joy. Yeah. And I'm sure at this point, you know, I my first show was a little less than a year from this one, but it still had that energy. It's, oh, it's yeah. great to be around. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, and Esther is another song that comes up later in the set that I would also put yeah. in this category of just, yeah. Um, you can't categorize a song yeah. like Esther. It's impossible. <laughs> um, but before uh, we uh, we get into how amazing the Reba is, um, I'm trying to think back what that book was called, but I think Dean Budnick wrote a book back, and it was like one of the first fish books I wrote. And, um, oh man, what was that thing called? The Fishing, con I don't know, I don't remember. <laughs> but uh this was back like in 96 the or fishing something. manual fishing maybe? manual yes does I that think sound that, right i think that's what it was but and i want to say that this thought was from that book but that reba is hebrew for the word fish and that when fish composed <laughs> that song that they were kind of they were trying to make a stew of everything that made up the band and they were consciously trying <laughs> to put in all of the elements that made up fish so that reba would be the representative song and then it had the name fish and so i don't know I, i'm not sure if it was from that book or not or if there's any truth to that but whatever i guess it fits i like it are we yeah. announcing that dean budnick's on the podcast next week or <laughs> we're just gonna <laughs> have we mentioned him before yeah i don't have his number but we'll yeah. work on that okay yeah He's, he's yeah, I think everyone wants to be on this. 
Um, so yes, and from Gula, which was great, uh-huh. beautiful gym opener into uh, I think absolute A plus fish with this Reba. Yeah, I in a lot of these shows I kind of highlight certain songs where I'm like I need to out of context go really re-listen to that, and I listen to this one a bunch. Yeah, like it is. It's peak city. It makes you just. It's perfect. Yeah, like it's really. I don't know that I have anything in any way negative to say about any of this song. It is just, <laughs> yeah. it's as good as it gets. It's I, perfect. I agree. I, I listened like to it was it one once. of the moments in the oh, show yeah. where I just, hands down. Yeah. No, please. No, I was going to say, I listened to it once and I was like, it couldn't have been that good. So I, so I listened to it again a couple yeah. of days later and I was like, damn. Yeah, and then the fee that followed it. I mean, the fee. Yeah. I mean, it was like a normal fee, and then it had a killer jam on it.
yeah, it like really focuses in on that one strange little rhythm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you, it's them showing off. Yeah. They're just, you know, like it, it it's great. It's really great. Yeah. And that's the kind of stuff that and, sticks with me. Um, yeah. So absolutely. Yeah. It's what separates the shows. Right. Where every song has a little something. And I think this fee starts to really highlight who I think was the, you know, the star of the show, which was Paige. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it, Page really was August '93 was a page fest in a lot of ways. I think the baby grand being out there and it, it, it we've talked about it before on the podcast. Trey as a band leader is so good at getting behind someone and giving them a little nudge. Mm-hmm. And uh, by this point, he's you know he still does it. Yeah, in watching the shows from this week, like he's he gets behind someone and gives them a nudge. And yeah. Pages crushes this show. Yeah, he, and I think he gives the little extra mustard. And then everyone else wants to give that too. And uh, you know, this his solos in this fee, I think, inspired a, an ending out of it. Mm-hmm. They wanted to really tag it and make something special. Yeah, I think that uh, you're you're absolutely right, and I think he proves it with the Jesus Left Chicago Lizards combo in the oh second my God, set. Yes. Where by the end of that, you're <laughs> you're just like, what is happening with Paige? That's unfair. She... <laughs> by set two, you're like, this is. Like you're kind of he, like he's the lead yeah. of the band, and he's inspiring the rest of the band. Like I feel like Trey usually yeah. does a pretty good solo in Jesus Left Chicago, but after Paige's solo, Trey's like, "Oh, I really gotta, really gotta step this up right now." Yeah, so it had to yeah. be better than yeah. usual. So, so what are okay. your thoughts on the megaphone? I'm just, just not to leave fee just yet. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about the megaphone. Like, yeah, you know, in '93, four. It was always on stage. I've seen Trey do some really silly, stupid shit with like whipping it in front of his, you know, like creating a, trying to use it as another instrument at times. Right. But I don't know that I love that he's utilizing the megaphone as the vocals because it requires him to not play guitar. That's a good point. Um, and so it thins it out a little. It's more storytelling. I, I'm really on the fence. I don't know which ones I like more as pre, you know, when the megaphone was always used versus times when it wasn't. Right. Yeah, I guess if I had to choose, I would choose to have it without it because I do feel like it's a little bit just distracting or I just when I hear it, I just feel like it reminds me of the studio gimmick and the fact that they're trying to recreate the studio gimmick. But is it really what the song necessarily needs? And I I don't think so. I mean, I think, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say, yeah, no megaphone. Yeah, I mean, we could have the same conversation as this with the trampolines. Yeah. Like, I, I get it. But do we need them anymore? Like, are we still there? I, I, they don't, I think the trampolines are nice. Like, I think the trampoline, because there's always going to be people at their first show. Um, yeah. Are they going to be taken aback by a megaphone? No, they're just going to be like, well, that's kind of silly. But trampolines, yeah. that's, and then coordinated trampoline jumping between the two, you know, main guys. Sure. That's, yeah, that, it that's, always has people that's cheering. memorable. And I, and I love seeing it. It puts a smile on my face and. Yeah. And with Gula synchronized dancing. I yeah. Mean, right. I love some synchronized dancing. I would never get rid of that. <laughs> and in terms of megaphones, I don't want to totally shit on a megaphone because if they bust out a megaphone during antelope and want to make some crazy obnoxious noises um, mm-hmm. or a melt, mm-hmm. I'm all in. Um, all right. But I think lyrically, I don't necessarily need it. All right. Yeah. We're, I think we're, we're in agreement on that one. <laughs> um, and then weird little jam and fee into split open and melt. Right. Don't, Which, yeah. Uh, Again, I don't think you can go wrong with the split open and melt from '93. Yep. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> yeah, I, there's. I have so many notes with this, like the dark shift, and then there's, you know, very interesting melodies that come out. I, it never, uh, it never slows down. Right. And I think that Future Fish really tries to create a lot of peaks and valleys in a a jam. This one is just power. Right. Um, it's it gets out there, but it's always it remains high energy. It remains powerful, mm-hmm. and the ending is just insane. Mm-hmm.
you know, I think with the Reba too, where the Reba's great and finds some great, you know, covers great ground, but the ending really just like, you know, really puts a pin in it. And I think the split open and melt has the same vibe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. More exploratory, but I mean, it's just great energy. I love it. Yeah. And the, and the juxtaposition of, yeah, just all the songs that we've seen so far. Just wow. Yes. Yeah. Complete difference all the way through and really like fish classics. Yeah. I mean, this show again is one where the covers that are played, I mean, leaving baby gramps out of the whole thing. Right. The covers that are played are 2001, which, you know, is technically not the original 2001. Mm -hmm. Um, And then it's Jesus left Chicago. And then it's free bird. Like, that the cover choices are very, very interesting in yeah. the song or in the show. Yeah. But the, it's mostly originals, which a lot of the shows at this time were. There were very few covers. And I think they could stick to originals because the diversity was really growing right. in songwriting. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is funny to think about that they, they're playing like Leonard Skinner and ZZ Top covers in Portland. <laughs> like, I guess I just, I mean, I, but this is a totally different time, 93. I mean, grunge was big yeah. and they, they would have been totally grunge. There was like indie hadn't even happened yet. So maybe that yeah. maybe that was a. <laughs> it was not cool. It was definitely not cool. <laughs> it was not cool. OK, no. All right. I, I, I would assume at that point playing Jesus Just Left Chicago wasn't cool yet. Yeah, I'm sure no one knew what it was for the most part, probably. Or maybe an some acapella people did, free yeah. bird. Yeah. Like it, uh, which you know I love, and yeah. I'm sure fans were like, "What the fuck is <laughs> happening?" But uh, it, I don't, I don't know if "cool" is the word I would use. Whereas yeah. now, it it seems in retrospect very cool. You're right. You're right. Yeah, T- tastemakers they are. Um, Tragedy plus time. <laughs> um, and then we move to Esther. Yeah. Um, which I think. I can't remember. I don't have it open in front of me, but that fishnet gives this a like must listen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I thought it was great. I yeah. thought it was a really, really great rendition. Yeah, it was just a normal great rendition. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, that's how I felt. I, yeah. I, fishnet and I have some difference of opinions. Yeah, well, I um, yeah, and I but I think like a song like Esther is like, I mean, it went out there once maybe like Alpine. I might. Remembering that right? Um, anyway, Maybe. but yeah, I don't. I don't think Esther is really a song that's like meant to go improvisational or anything. So when I think of Esther, I'm just like perfect. You know, as long as it's like yeah, perfectly well played, for. the story is well told. I'm a, I mean, I'm able to engage with the lyrics. Um, then yeah, then it's it's perfect. So yeah, yeah, I'll give it an A. And then Ice. <laughs> there was a lot of um, there's a lot of talking and yelling in this one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there was <laughs> which was, i really like it was a fun version yeah. um and again page i uh, just on yeah. fire yeah can't stop him already <laughs> and then I, when it moves into the hook i don't think the ice really warrants tons of conversation i thought no. it was very good yeah but the hood I, I, so there's two songs in the show that i have thought were good but i have some gripe with mm-hmm. and it's the hood and the bowie right and I thought that this hood was great. I thought it was really good, but I don't get the hype and the life changing and the blah, blah, blah. I thought its placement was perfect. Right. I thought this set was organized in a way that was just gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And when this hairy hood comes in, you kind of think, um, I mean, I I wrote down that I don't know when I first heard Mike's envelope filter. Oh, yeah. And I think this might have been in the intro the first time I ever remember hearing it. Right. Um, at least through this, I don't mm-hmm. think I've heard it yet. Yeah. Um, and the the whole intro is really unique and interesting. And I thought, wow, this is this is going to be something. Mm-hmm. And um, then it was just kind of, eh, it was good. I wrote down intro was the best part. Yes, yeah. thank you. Yeah. Full agreement. Mm-hmm. Um, you know they 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 did the work, right? But I I wasn't you know 
I, I wasn't inspired. It, it I've kind of forgotten now that because it's not really a thing in three or four point oh, uh, <laughs> is like how how much I used to look forward to the Harry Hood intro. And then I'm like, what are they going to yeah. do in this intro? You know, uh, that was like such a thing back. But I, it doesn't even cross my mind anymore. I was just like, well, they're going to do the thing they always do. Um, yeah. But yeah, like there, was, there were some wild, scene. wild moments in Hood intros. And especially in terms of them introducing like or Mike introducing new sounds. I seem to remember like in 97 or maybe 98, my, Mike doing his sort of like fart bombs yeah. You know, <laughs> like, like really obnoxious kind of like sounds and you'd just be like, oh, boy. Uh, so, yeah. But that was fun. Yeah. Oh, love it. I remember. It. Yeah. I can't remember if it was Chula Vista 99 or 2000, but it was your brother's first show. Yeah. I remember after yeah. the show, you telling me like that he I asked what he thought of it. Did he have a good time? And he said to you, yeah, I had a I had a really great time. I really liked that reggae song in the yeah. second set. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And he meant the intro to Harry Hood, which yeah. again, it, it grabs people. It's fun. Yeah, it, yeah. You can tell they're having fun and it's the they really create a lot of um you know, a lot of ups and downs and tension and yeah, I thought this one got out there and was mm-hmm. was very unique. Yeah. And, and then uh, Golgi Closer, which is perfect. Yeah. Love a Golgi Closer. Well played. Nice peak. It's good. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't mind that they blew a lot of the energy in the first, you know three quarters of this set and i feel <laughs> yeah. like the second set kind of has that too like they're trying to throw it all out early and then it kind of gets a little bit uh you know the back half's a little flat right but not not horrible um and then we get our classic 2000 or i'm sorry 93 2001 opener gotta have it for set two gotta have it yeah it's short it's quick i just yeah. wrote okay yeah yeah i mean i i was such a such a I was on the bus when 2001 changed mm-hmm. and I was there at Sacramento, which we talked about before. Yeah. And then a few nights later at the Aladdin theater in Vegas. Right. And I watched the evolution of the song from where it was at this point. It took a long time to change. Right. But 96 was the time it changed yeah. and fall 96 specifically. And because I watched, you know, we went to the end of that whole tour um, watching that song change and evolve. I mean, it blew my mind Yeah. Um, when we were in Sacramento. And then the Vegas one was different, but further out there and more stretched out. And then, you know, it became what it, the monster it is today. But at this point, it was just tight. And I think they loved opening the set with a shitload of smoke and yeah. you know, all the lights straight down. And it, it was like a shroud of of energy and mood. Right. But it was three or four minutes in quick. Yeah, not meant to be a musical exploration. And yeah, I mean, they hadn't quite found funk yet. You know, it sounds like yeah. uh, based on what we've heard from history, that those James Brown CDs that they were listening to <laughs> on the tour bus in, uh, in 96 really changed the trajectory of the band or changed their abilities and how they were looking yeah. at groove. And, you know, once they started kind of listening to that music, it all it all changed. Um, and I'm See, not... we also should oh. we got to find out that bus driver's name yeah. and bring him on the show because I'm he was pivotal to my life like that he yeah as a young kid who loved you know I was just getting into understanding what bass guitar was I mean 96 97 98 was when I really started to play music as a bassist and I think that Mike Gordon and Fish being such a big part of my life then yeah. and their movement into groove based music really helped forward me in my playing and i feel like we could trace it all back to one man it sounds like it which is really cool yeah we should i'm gonna gonna look into that do some research let's get him on um but the uh yeah so 2001 standard way to open um and then goes into uh mr bowie right or do we have something sure does uh the david bowie this is the thing about bowie would i put this this bowie on like a list of great bowies probably not um, not probably not. I, I definitely wouldn't. But one of the things that I like about Bowie is just that you're, they're kind of setting up a pl- platform to get weird um, yeah. and to just kind of like play with uh, sound in an ugly way that makes you feel kind of uncomfortable. And then they'll kind of release it with the peak at the end. And that's kind of always how I thought of, of Bowie. 
And uh, not that this is going to connect to anybody but Sam and I, um, <laughs> but uh, there was a local San Diego band called Plump, who I just think was an incredible band. And they had a, a song called uh, Five Burts. And and it was like the same sort of thing or wherever the song started, I was like, oh, it's going to going to get weird for a little while. And I just like love that feeling. Um, and like, I love that sort of idea that they have a song that's just kind of like, OK, we're going to like like Tweezer is like, we're going to funk you out now for however long it's going to going to take or, you know, with the hairy hood, we're going to do this sort of cathartic anthemic build build. Um, and Bowie's just like, we're going to get weird. And for yeah. some reason on just like a, on a catering to my ego level, I, I like that. Cause I know there's probably not a lot of listeners that are like, that sounds good. That sounds good. Um, and I think that sounds amazing. That's like exactly what I want out of music. I want to see musicians like really try and take it out there. Um, so while I don't think, uh, this version was totally successful and I think that some of the sort of, uh, places they tried to get to, it didn't really get to a completely satisfying place. I really just loved being out on that journey, um, in context to what I've experienced in the show so far. I feel like it it worked as a song choice if it wasn't the perfect deal. I don't know. Yeah. I do think they threw a lot of. At this point in the show, they threw a lot of weight on it. Yeah. And I think that classic Bowie-Life-Boy combo uh, is a really strong vehicle for them, 93, 94, especially. I think 94, probably more. Like the Tweezer-Life-Boy, the Bowie-Life-Boy, they kind of built that as this, you know, we're going to we're gonna get way, way out there. We're going to push limits. We're going to be grading at times. Yeah. And then we're going to bring it all back around with this ballad that's somewhat, you know, somewhat happy but also a little bit of a downer right um not a downer but you know a introspective emotional catharsis yeah and i think between the two um they did it they did a good job here um i would take the life boy over the bowie any day of the week Uh um my exclamation is fish ballads rule yeah Um, (laughs) yeah and page again just uh i mean i I wrote, I'm moving on from the Bowie already because yeah. I agree with almost everything you said. Yeah. Um, it, it got out there, but it, I don't know if it always connected, but I love Risk. Yeah. And if I was there, I'm sure it would have been fascinating, but I'm right. not going to go re-listen all the time. Of course, yeah. But, you know, I, I came up, it's going to date me just mildly, but I like being my age. Um, when I was at junior high dances, which I've recently realized may have been the peak of my life. Um <laughs> Just because it's so awkward and so difficult and you're so full of hormones and emotions. And I don't know if it ever gets more clearly raw as a human than that. Yeah. Um, We listened to a lot. There was a lot of hair metal ballads at that time. Yeah. You know, Um, for me, it was just prior to you. Um, 92, 93. um, I was always shorter than all the girls, you know, waiting on the (laughs) sidelines but I danced. I had girls I was trying to dance with. I mean, I was trying and it made me, you know, I, I've been re-listening to a lot of hair metal lately just for fun, getting energy. Um, work has been a real downer and a drag and I'm trying to like, you know, at the end of the night, get positive. And you know, you put on like poisons open up and say, ah, yeah, the big rockers were great. But truly, I think every hair metal fan lives for the ballads. Right. <laughs> and I think with Fish, yes, the rockers are great. But goddamn, like, Fish ballads are power. Yeah. And I think the emotion of the artist really oozes through in ballads. And um, yeah. I think that this Life Boy was, was a great example. It is. Oh, yeah. You know, I, Paige was on fire through it. I thought that... The freedom that they gave the melody through the end was yeah. just so beautiful and big. And it's like when you're indoors seeing a show and you feel a giant waft of fresh air over you, yeah. even though there's no air. Right. Even. Yeah. And it's one of those. <laughs> like, I thought it was great. Yeah. Good description.
And then straight from Life Boy, I guess we go <laughs> we go into uh, into Rift, which yeah. at this point in the show was a pretty hefty load to put on this song. Yeah, I think placement wise, and they started so fast. Yes, I thought this one was was a little bit freight train out of control. I didn't love the Rift. Um, I think it probably is due to placement. Um, it's a it, tough spot. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't like it wasn't bad, but it also wasn't brilliant. Um, and yeah, it's a tough spot. So yeah, uh, and it gets sandwiched in between two real high points of the show. Yes, and I think you know, speed. Uh, there's a point in Paige's solo where you're like straight up hoe down high speed bluegrass. Like it is. Yeah, it's a little. I don't know. It felt a little runaway train. <laughs> yeah, but. uh and then it goes into another headphone in the in the book. And this one I sent you a message about yeah. because listening through the show, I didn't quite understand why Jesus Just Left Chicago would be a headphones, like must, must listen. Uh-huh. And my God, this is another one I listened to a few times. <laughs> yeah. It is. Like, I guess you could play this for people that don't love the real technical composition aspect and yeah. they just love people that can solo and show off as a band. Yeah. This is, there's a lot of showing off. How about Paige's vocals? What's going on with Paige's vocals, right? (laughs) Especially the last verse when comes back. Exactly. Just, I'm constantly like doing that voice, the oh, 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 like, <laughs> and this is perfect. Like it's jokey, but yeah, good. Yeah, but, and, but yeah, but, but for Paige to do that and be in that mood, it is like it's kind of rare. Um, I yeah. feel like he's not usually the one kind of leading the jokes, um, but yeah, they it was it was quite a performance. I mean, it was it was like one of those performances where you're just like, God, I hope ZZ Top has heard this, you know? Yeah. Um, because really, the love contained uh, within this performance is really just... I mean, that's what I think is like when they put so much into this cover, they, it's yeah. not just... They're not just playing it. They're exercising it from their, their souls. Uh, yeah. Just amazing. And those yeah. dynamics of the huge to the just pin drop silent. Yeah. And both solos. And like it's... it's I, I feel like when a band is really functioning well... You're, it's a machine that's just so tight. It's just showing itself off. Right. You know, like cars that go fast. I'm not a car guy, but I'm assuming that's what it's like to have like a fancy sports car. Right. You like want to go and do that zero to 60 in whatever seconds. And you want to, you know, it's it's that, but it's multiple people doing it all at once. It's not just one person showing off. Right. Yes, there's two two people that take separate solos, but it's it's everyone adding the color and adding the dynamics and... Yeah, it's something else. Yeah, I think with Trey's like big solo, I think one of the main things that makes it so great is Fishman is like how in most of Trey's great solos, the way that Fishman yeah. reacts to him and accentuates oh, yeah. what he's playing or repeats it with his drums is so unique and so incredible. Um, and those so strange high to. bass notes that Mike's yeah. throwing in towards the end of <laughs> Trey's solo just to like... I mean, at that point, there's so much volume, it's hard to stick out as a bassist. Yeah. I'm, I've been there. And those those notes are it's such a smart choice to add tension to a place. And, you know, it, it was great. It really, it stuck out. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I actually forgot about that. I got kind of stuck in a like a little brain hole when in the show. And I was like thinking about my, Mike's decision making, um, especially in this period compared to where he is now. 
Um, and it was he is just such a different player. Um, and again, because he hadn't kind of like gotten into groove based music back then, it is almost kind yeah. of like this weird sort of jazzy, like not like, <laughs> I don't know. Again, I, I, I will be at a loss to words to describe it, but he isn't like laying down a groove lots of times. He's sort of accentuating like Fishman what's happening with the rest of the band. Yeah, which he's is, reacting more than being proactive. Right, yeah. which is not something you hear a lot with the bassist, like at least in popular No, music. I think they talk yeah. a lot, you know, around Mike's change through 96, 7, um, how he, you know, he started playing modulus basses and he switched equipment. And, you know, I, I also will get into it later, but his gear changed again this tour, mm-hmm. it looks like. Um, he's got the 18s back. But uh, he, he had a move there um, where he was really transitioning his sound. And I think yeah. between, you know, 92, three and 96, um, he was really searching and finding things. And there was nights he, um, you know, was, was perfect and on. And there were nights he was really struggling to have something different. Yeah. And I know, you know, there was that stretch of people for a louder mic. Right. And I think a lot of that was just as they grew, it's hard to make bass work in a big arena. Yeah. And I think ninety seven eight nine fish. They talk about, you know, his bass rig shrunk after that because it got so big uh, that it was hard for the other musicians because it was such a mammoth sound on stage. Yeah. But for us in the audience as listeners, I loved that mammoth sound yeah. because <laughs> it was mixed beautifully for me. Like uh, you plop yourself right in front of the soundboard, and it's oh my god! Right. Like it's a big warm hug. But I think on stage it was drowning out a lot of stuff. Uh-huh. Um, so at this point, you know, as a bassist in a theater. He may, you know, they're mixing him a little low. Yeah. And so to stick out when the bands are, you know, everyone's playing at full capacity, he kind of has to throw some of those high notes. And I thought it was, it was smart. Yeah. It was cool. That's what makes him Mike. Um, and that's what makes yeah. him when he combines that sensibility with the straight up bootsy funk. Um, yeah. It's, uh, he makes cow funk, apparently. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Which I still like as yeah. a term. I, I, I hate a lot of these fish terms, but uh-huh. uh, I like a lot of the ones, the band coins. And I know that was a band coin term. And I think yeah. it makes a lot of sense. It does. Self-deprecating, but also like very Vermont. <laughs> right. And they, and they really sort of embraced it in 99 or like even 98 when everything started yeah. slowing down to the point where you're like, whoa, this is slow. <laughs> uh, you don't even notice that now. But um, yeah. OK, so now we got lizards and um, yep. lizards. We've talked about it. Before, amazing song. Yes. This is great. It's fast. This is a fast version. Um, I feel like, at least. Uh, mm-hmm. But Paige's solo is just... Uh, it's like one of these jams where I know everybody kind of reacts. They have different visceral reactions when they listen to a moment where a band member does something just off the charts. And I laugh. My thing is I laugh. So I'll be like listening to headphones and somebody will do something and I'll just be like... <laughs> You know, sometimes my wife will be like, what, what stand-up comedy are you listening to? I'll be like, no, I'm listening to Fish. She'll be like, did you yeah. do something funny? I'll be like, no, they just did something nope. amazing. It was so, <laughs> so perfect or outrageous. I laughed out loud. Yeah. I just had this conversation with uh, a guy that I work with who also plays music. And he said to me, we were we talk about a lot of music. And we like to listen to comedy music a lot, especially closing at night. It's late. You're tired. Um, and it helps keep the energy up. And he, he looked, I think we were listening to nineties hair metal and late eighties hair metal. And he, at one point looked at me and he goes, you know what? I love when a band makes me laugh just yeah. from the choices they made. It's yeah. like, it's not humor. He's like, that's the best thing in music when it just makes you laugh out loud from the choice they made. Right. And, you know, he is not a fan of Fish in any way, shape, or form. Oh, how is that possible? But, <laughs> but they're the ultimate band for doing it. Yeah. Just say. these little flourishes where you laugh. You're like, how did you just, out of nowhere, come up with that thing? Yeah. Uh, those are the moments. Right.
yeah, Zappa was great at that too. Yeah. Yes. Um, so yeah, do you have anything else to add to the the lizards? I would just say uh, I thought Paige's solo was just like one of those moments where I just I, I laughed at the end of it. I was just like, no, I. Yeah. It was a beautiful rendition of lizards and really well placed. Yeah. And then the you know the rest of the show kind of I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how to feel about it. I don't know anything about Baby Gramps. I know he was like a legendary Seattle street performer. Right. Um, I thought it was kind of, I don't know, it was, a, it was just some noise. It was fine. I know what they were trying to do. It was rootsy. Um, it was rootsy. Yeah, it was interesting. <laughs> I just, yeah. I wasn't a, you know, after what we just saw, I don't know that that was what I was looking for. Sure. And then it's weird that they walked off stage then. Because then you get the Chalk Dust Freebird. Weird choice to call it after that right for me yeah it seems like you need one more something right one more you know chalk dust Freebird was the perfect encore i thought they were both done really well good energy nothing fancy just great playing yeah but it, it kind of killed the end of this set for me the fact I that they, the riff they placement and then this yeah. yeah yeah and you know even think about that they just playing hold your head up and trays playing drums and then they just walk off stage yeah, I, I guess I just assumed something. There was a reason for it. Somebody yeah, had a to weird pee really bad or what? I don't know <laughs> what it was. It is a weird statement to make. Yeah. Um, but really, like, of the critiques of the show, that's one of the very few, I thought. Yeah. Um, if we're going to pick 100, I'd listen to this again a number of times. Yeah. So I'm in. This yeah. one's in. It makes a cut. For sure. Um, I know the next couple shows we're moving to the New Year's run from this year, both of which are going to be really fun. Uh-huh. And both of which shows, are, it's starting to get to where they have special places in my heart in a different way. Right. Um, I just saw a few years ago a show at Cumberland County. I mean, it's 40 minutes from my house. Uh-huh. Um, the Quad C. And it's pretty cool to have, I'd never been there. Yeah. So it was my first time going. Well, I'd been there, I saw Cirque de Soleil on ice with my kids. Uh-huh. Um, but it was my first time going and seeing, you know, a fish show and or a concert at Cumberland County Civic Center. Right. And, uh, it was special. Right. And I thought about the next show we're going to do, episode 12, a lot. Yeah. Um, and then I think 1231, that New Year's show, there's moments in that that uh, were some of my favorite early fish tape moments mm-hmm. and convinced me to love the band. So yeah, we're going to have some good stuff. I expect nothing less. Well, uh, we've moved on to a new era of fish, like I mentioned before, 4.0. Yes. Um, it's just begun uh, a couple weeks ago, week or so ago, and yeah, we've been listening to some of the jams. Uh, Sam, lead it off. What do you <laughs> got to say? Uh, first, I like that we should call this 4.0. I love new starts and new beginnings. <laughs> uh, you know, I it, it I may delve into where you know life has brought us at this point, but um, you know, my business is overwhelmingly difficult. At right now and has been through all of this mess and isn't really getting any better. Yeah. Um, so my weeks are tough. And this week was one of those where I poked my head in and I was watching the set list for the week and paying attention to what people were saying. And I listened to a few songs here and there and it didn't really get the shot to put in the effort. And I know you and I had some back and forth messages. Yeah. And then just last night and then today and tonight a little bit, I was able to put my head into some of the shows, um, especially the Deer Creek shows. Uh Um, Really pay attention to the set list, listen to a few songs, and then I watched a couple. And fuck, I was pretty impressed. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I got to say, like, uh, you know, I'd like to focus a lot of my energy on just the one song, which Uh was the simple from the first night at Deer Creek. Yeah. I give the new lighting rig 10 out of 10. Yeah. Maybe the best that I've ever seen. Yeah. That was the most psychedelic shit I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. And I've seen so many fish tours with so many different lighting rigs and so many different ways that it interacts between the band and the audience. Yeah. Fuck, I was just on my knees. Yeah. It's like, it was absolutely, it makes me want to do psychedelics again. It was so gorgeous. <laughs> yeah. I was blown away visually. And I thought it was the most aggressively psychedelic out there music i just this one song yeah that i had seen them play in years yeah it was i don't think that there was really a solo for 20 minutes right it was just sound yeah it 
it made me think like Pompeii. Layers upon layers. Yeah. Like Pompeii-ish Pink Floyd at times, yeah. but with way more technical effects and Paige's new keyboards that we've talked about briefly yeah. are... I mean, he's throwing them in everywhere. There's a yeah. lot of synth effects. Yeah. Uh, I thought Mike was using, again, older synth bass and enveloping sounds. I thought Trey is getting back to his wah pedal a little more. Mm -hmm. um, these are all good signs. I thought the band was listening to each other really, really well. I yeah. thought they were laughing. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I haven't listened to enough of all of this. Yeah. Um, but what little I listened to was enough for me to go back and really fine tooth comb all those shows. I was very, I was very impressed. I do think calling it 4.0 is a good idea uh -huh. because it sounds fresh. It sounds new. Right. Um, it does. And it, yeah. they're trying different things. And I think, you know, a juxtaposition to the show we just listened to, I did not hear any big rock and solos. Right. From what I listened to, it was very band interplay oriented and gentle thoughtful turn on a dime changes yeah. you know they were really big ears mm -hmm. i was very impressed yeah they do have like a, a new sound and i i have like a it just feels like they're on a cusp of something new um with what's yeah. going on maybe not drastically new but a little bit new and that's and that's great and Paige, just like the show we just talked about i feel like has been leading a lot of these jams yeah uh, with this kind of new sounds and wanting to push it. And uh, yeah, I think probably of everything I've heard so far, uh, this, the the simple is probably my number one. But that blaze on from that same yeah. set, I believe, was also... I listened to that too. It was great. It was, yeah, it was amazing. Uh, I so enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, it was like a little happier and it was like more of like a, a groove and just with the juxtaposition no, of great. those two jams in the same set, you're like, hot damn um yeah and so, i like all the new material yeah. i think uh i mean fuck these guys this is what they know yeah. and they were forced not to do it for you know they've chosen not to do it before but yeah. i don't think they've ever been forced to not do it right. and i'm getting a real feeling that it took a little while for all the tech to come back because yeah. god that machine of the lighting and the sound and getting everything up and running and feeling comfortable but i got such a vibe of all of them walking on stage like they've done this a million times because they have. Yeah. And that that is where they want to die. Yeah. That is where <laughs> they feel the most comfortable. That is where yeah. they connect to the deeper well of energy in the universe with each other yeah. and with, with themselves. And there's such a sense of missing it and longing for it that happened to all of us during the pandemic. We missed and longed for so many things. Yeah. And I think the audience, as much as I'm not going to go to a show right now yeah. for good reason. Yeah. Um, but I think the audience feels the same way. And if I was in that audience, I would feel the same way. Yeah. And I think that energy is palpable and it's, it's, it's special. They're they're I don't, didn't think they would live up to the special and they really are. Right. I don't know why I didn't think they would. <laughs> 3.0 disappointed me in many ways, but it, yeah. I'm, I, I, I'm impressed. It's rare for me to say. Yeah. And, uh, and I do think, um, you know, for me, I mentioned this before that, that like Trey's tone was sometimes a problem for me in three, 3.0. And for some reason yeah. so far on these shows, it's been less of a problem. So my understanding, I think that there's is, adjustments. Yeah. That I, I, I understand there's some adjustments and I, and I'm noticing it. Um, so I like that, but yeah, I mean, I, I webcasted the, um, eight one show and watched the, the tweezer and, and then follow up. I listened to that tweezer. Good. And I thought it was great. I mean, I had like a few minutes of it where I was just like, ah, eh, not my favorite. But then it busted into just this like unbelievable groove, like so swampy yeah. and so thick and so much to listen to. And like one of those jams where you listen to it and you feel like you could just like start it over again and listen to it because there was so yeah. much happening that you really couldn't soak it all up. You can only just choose parts of it to soak up. Um, and then... Um, and then the farmhouse waste, I, I thought was like a fantastic follow up. Yeah. And I, I'm a, I, I'm a huge fan of their Fall '97 arrangement of uh, farmhouse, which is not exactly how they played it because Paige played some sort of cool keyboard that I don't know what the name of it is back in Fall '97, but it was like more, it was soft and there wasn't as much of a Trey solo. There wasn't like a big sort of bombastic. Uh, emotional tray solo in Farmhouse. It was more just the beautiful interplay of the four of them, almost like a rogue. Like that's how 
Yeah. I remember the fall 97 versions and I've always longed for them. And this was the first Were you one. at Colorado with us? I can't remember. No, in 97, no. Yeah. No. I'm trying to remember because we, we went to Vegas, then Utah, and then the two right. Colorado shows. Right. Um, and that first night in Colorado was the first farmhouse. Right. After they'd done it on, what was it, Conan? Conan, yeah. 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 So that was the first one and it's the best farmhouse I've ever seen. Yeah. It was unbelievable. Yeah. And I remember like, I remember Ryan and I just going, oh my God. It was like, uh, it was very, I mean, I was a West Coast person, but it felt Tom Petty. It yeah. felt West Coast. It felt like um, that whole, uh, like the Canyon sound. Right. Like, to, but to Fish doing that. Exactly. Yeah. Um, oh, I love that song. And do you remember and the rumors I, that it was the Neville Brothers when it first came out? That, that was the <laughs> that was like the first rumor that came our way. It's a Neville Brothers song. <laughs> yeah, I remember Black Eyed Katie, someone saying it was a Frank Zappa song at that show too. That was the Vegas opener was the first Black Eyed Katie. Yeah, yeah. And everyone, oh, they, they, that's like a Zappa jam. They just did it different. <laughs> this was this was like early internet days, man. We didn't know what was going on. That tour was fun. Those shows yeah. were fun. Yeah. And I, I love the the official release of the second of the Denver shows. Yeah. Um, but this farmhouse was lovely. It was like really soft. Yeah, I agree. And, yeah, and I, I, I listened really to it. It was it. great. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm pleasantly surprised. I think there's going to be more to come. Oh, yeah. I hope they got they have the legs for it and the stamina. Yeah. I mean, they're getting old. And I think they it's a long tour. Yeah. But uh, it. They all look good. Yeah. They look refreshed. They look happy. Um, in good shape. I mean, I, I think, you know, Trey keeping sober is great. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's, uh, you know, his reticence for improvising and really pushing it out there is gone. I was, he was taking risks. Oh, yeah. A lot of risks. Yeah. And like he was throwing out changes of chords out of nowhere. And the band was jumping right on him. Yeah. Uh, I was, and you could see this, the little smirks where he's like, shit, we, we, yes. Like <laughs> it, it felt good. It, it felt yeah. really good. Yeah. Um, and I'm really looking forward to it. So I'm glad they're on tour again. And, you know, I'm, I'm such a smug asshole when it comes to this stuff. Like, ah, I don't even care. Right. But now, um, you know, I, I, I have to check myself sometimes. Yeah. Well, thanks COVID for the reboot. Sounds like we all needed it. <laughs> maybe, <Yeah>. maybe. <laughs> I mean, I still would have rather done without it in grand scheme, but you know, I'm a, maybe, I'm a glass maybe. half full kind of guy. Uh, yeah, we'll see at some point here. Well, so let's wrap it up. Uh, I don't yeah. have any suggestions, honestly, because I've been so busy listening to fish. I haven't even, Good. I haven't even listened to all the live bait, which I can't believe there's stuff on there. I'm like, I can't wait to hear that, but I've just been so busy. <laughs> yeah. I'm in the same, all the new same stuff. exact place. <laughs> yeah. The new stuff's been fun. Yeah. Uh, my only recommendation, because I crushed so many podcasts at work, um, and I'd heard about it, but it kind of took me a minute, and I cannot get enough. Is uh, may I elaborate? Oh yeah, yeah. Daily, I, I've been, I, daily wisdom from JB Smooth. I've been listening to that. Yeah. It's every day. Yeah. It is his his uh, co-host Miles is the best. <laughs> um, he just yeah yeah, yeah. uh huh. <laughs> okay, well, moving on. Uh, I love his voice. I love his attitude. And JB is just the absolute best. It's like half character, half him. Uh, you know, I, I shouldn't find myself wanting to talk like him every yeah. time after I listen to an episode. Yeah. But I do because it is it is just fantastic. Well, for those, uh, you know, comedians or tight asses that, you know, like to insist that cutscene doesn't do anything for making things funny. I mean, just the juxtaposition of him just being like... <laughs> just gotta fucking relax you just gotta be calm ass motherfucker you're like just it's funny like just those concepts mixed together are funny um it's it's simple but it's a hoot and they're all quick they're all easy you know i so many podcasts now are doom and gloom you know it's like true crime mixed with climate change mixed with politics and you're just what am i doing i i like to learn but i'm getting destroyed here and then you put this on you're like oh yeah Yeah. (laughs) human beings are pretty fucking cool this is great i can do this yeah um so i i recommend that daily i get behind that suggestion fully yeah okay so uh yeah that's where i'm at i thought the show was great i'm really loving the new stuff i'm looking forward to 
listening to 123093 um a lot mm-hmm. i know that show inside and out um but it has been a little while and i remember the last time for i'd forgotten how the mike song is as revelatory as it actually is so mm-hmm. let's hope it holds up yeah well i have a lot of history with the show just like you so uh, i'll save it yeah. for next time good we'll get there okay well it was a pleasure well, sam uh, yeah, I'll, as always. We'll see each other soon. Yep. Okay. Take care. I'm going to bump my mic now and snap those things. Hello there, friends, and thank you for listening. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, or would like to reach out to Ian and I about anything at all, you can find us at companion to the companion at gmail.com.